Your source for community, Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. This is Touching the Past with your host, Trisha Markle. Hi, my name's Trisha, and this is Touching the Past, a program where we explore the heritage of Huntsville and surrounding area, its past and not too distant past. Today, my guest, Dennis Rowland, someone I've known for a little while through the Huntsville and Area Historical Society, is here with us. History is one of his interests, and it's also tied in with another love, and that of curling. Dennis Rowland has been a member of the Huntsville Curling Club for around a decade. He enjoys being an active club member, volunteer, and currently he's the convener of the Mixed Tag League and is lead planner of the Love It Rev- Renovations. That I'm going to have to follow up on. As I mentioned, Dennis's love of history has led him to extensively research and document the incredible 125-year history of the Curling Club. So thanks for coming in today, Dennis. And for a start, what even got you interested in curling? Well, thank you for having me, Tricia. Uh, I, I've always wanted to to take up curling. My my father was a curling when we lived in Dundas, Ontario. Uh, and when my wife and I retired to the cottage uh, about a decade ago, we decided that we would uh, join the, the curling club. And we joined the Huntsville Curling Club because they got a very good learn to curl program. I think it lasts for like six or seven weeks long, and it teaches you everything we need to know. So so that's why we joined the club. Well, that's great. Now, when you joined the club, there must have been something that twigged your interest, because from what I gather, you've gone into an awful lot of research about the Huntsville Curling Club. Yeah. Um, when you pull up to the front of the building, from, from the front of the curling club, uh, it says the Huntsville Curling Club, and then on the crest, it says 1940. Yet when you go inside and you see all the logos on the crest inside, they say 1903. So I asked uh, several people, how come it says 1940 outside, 1903 on the inside? And and not many people knew. Uh, most people, they come and they, they join the club and they're they're involved with all the, the sport of curling and all the social aspects. And, and you know, they, they don't really think too much of where where we've come from. So, so that's kind of why I, I looked into that to see, well, where did we come from? Well, that's a great place to start. Yeah. yeah I mean, just give us a quick well, bird's it, eye view of, you know, where did it, where did it all begin? Well, it all began uh, in the year 1900. So like a long time ago, 125 years ago. So the Huntsville Club, the curling club was there before Huntsville was actually a town. It was a village. Uh, it was. It's the oldest sport in Huntsville, and if anybody knows a little bit about the history of Huntsville, the names, the the curling club was founded by, like the people of the day: C. O. Shaw, George Hutchison, Charles Waterhouse, J. W. White. Oh, all they're these, all synonymous with the town of Huntsville, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So a fantastic history, and um, the uh, they they had property so. H.S. Uh, May, who was one of our very first mayors, he owned the property where the curling club is right now, and he also owned the property right behind it where the small apartment was. So in 1900, they built a curling club on his property right at the corner of Center and Mary Streets, uh, and that's the old 
Club of 1900. And it was built by a guy named William Blackburn. So William Blackburn was a skilled boat builder. He had the marina in Huntsville where the Boston Pizza is now. So he he built the property uh, or he built the, the clubhouse and the curling rink uh, on that property that was owned by H.S. May, our, one of our first mayors. And the patron of the day was C.O. Shaw. So I'm thinking it was C.O. Shaw who financed, you know, a fair bit of the construction. And that, so that club was very active. It was uh, so active during those early years that they actually hired a guy to manage the facility because not just did they curl there, but during the summer months, there was all kinds of traveling minstrels and uh, political speeches and uh, musicians practiced there. Uh, it was it was quite a going concern. Well, now that that's something I didn't didn't realize, and I mean, what a great thing to have it because a small town like you know Hansel was back then. Yeah, they were you know always looking for entertainment and. Uh, yeah. Things to do, being neighborly, social. Yes, great place. Yeah, and all be and all done with steamships and horse and buggies, and it was quite a different world. Well, yeah, it's just incredible. So, so what happened? So that onwards? building. So in nineteen ten, that building uh, collapsed with a snow load in the winter time. So the curling club lasted for only a decade. And we refer to that as the old club. Uh, so it lasted for a decade. And Jim or James White was the president at the time it collapsed. And in 1910, he had a son named Alan White, who was at the time only in high school. But James White was a town councillor and, and loved curling. So his son, Alan, kind of followed in his footsteps and also became a town councillor. Uh, so in 1929, when he was a counselor, he tried to resurrect the club. So it had been a long time, like, you know, almost 20 years since the, the club had been organized. So he tried to resurrect the club. So as a counselor, the old, the original Memorial Arena, the rafters in it were so low at the time that some of the hockey players would hit their heads on it. Yeah. <laughs> so they needed to build a new arena. And so what uh, Alan White proposed to the town was that they build a curling club and arena all under one roof. And he he got a hold of several past mayors, several future mayors, uh, his crowd of people, which were the Ginsburg brothers who owned the Huntsville Trading Company and Rand Jump who owned Rand Jump Motors. So they did a fully costed plan and had all the drawings and everything all made up and presented it to town council. Uh, and the council and the gallery were thrilled to death with this idea of building this building in 1929. So they decided that, well, we better have a quick vote to get this construction started. So the vote was scheduled for the following Thursday, which was October 31st, 1929. But two oh. days before that was Black Tuesday, when the, the market crashed, the Great Depression happened. So what ended up happening was that the, the curling club never got built as part of the arena. The arena got built in 1931, but the club didn't. Well, there's a, yeah, there's always something in history that, um, you know, it's, did they use the, the lakes at all for? No, the, not no, that I'm aware but, of. No, the curling was, it had to be a very flat surface, a very clean surface. Uh, I've never 
come across there may like there may have been some households or amateur type events but nothing quite organized because for curlers i mean i i know a few and they tend to be a little addictive to the sport and for yeah. them to go that long in town without a rink it seems you well, know well and they, so they went even further so by 1937 the town of Huntsville had come out of the recession alan white um, had was no longer a councillor he at the time, he was the owner of the Huntsville Planing Mills. So once again, he gathered his group of friends and says, look, it, if we're going to build a curling club, we need to do it on our own. And they agreed. So they formed a board of directors with a single goal of raising money to purchase a property to build a curling club. So they began that process in 1937, and they actually raised several thousand dollars. But history hits us again. So in 1939, World War II broke out, and all of a sudden, the the arena, the, the new municipal arena, was underutilized. So, Alan White and the town council came up with an agreement that the arena would be used for the curling club uh, as on an as-needed basis. So, from 1940 until 1947, the arena was the home of the Huntsville Curling Club. They must have felt, the curling group must have felt that the world was picking on them because every time they'd get somewhere, some major catastrophe in the world would happen and it was put on the shelf again. But yeah. at least they were able to go to the arena. And yeah. and, and, and you're, you hit it right on the nose, Tricia, because catastrophe does strike again. So what they end up doing is the... Um, where the curling club is right now, at the corner of Center and uh, Veterans Way, that was the old Department of Northern Development building. So the uh, an active member of the club at the time was Don Locke, and he worked for the Department of Highways, and he knew that that building was going to become surplus and go and go up for sale. So the curling club bought that property in 1947. The deal actually closed November 30th. And they converted that building into a curling club uh, in over the course of about a month. So January 1st, 1948, they opened up uh, in that building, the old Department of Highways building, for curling. So that, that was a three-sheet arena or a three-sheet curling rink. And the entire building was covered in corrugated roofing and corrugated siding and wood structure inside. Well, I'm just going to leave it there for a moment. We've got to get into a little more information on this. I'm getting fascinated. But anyway, we're just going to take a small break and we'll be back in a few minutes. Buy Muskoka for Muskoka. Your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine. The Bay 88.7. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. This is Touching the Past with your host, Trisha Markle. Welcome back to Touching the Past. My guest today is Dennis Rowland, and we've been talking about the Huntsville Curling Club and its history and how the world has kind of ganged up on it over time. But I'm hoping in the next little section that we'll see it rise from the ashes. Yeah, so right on. Um, so what ended up happening, the... They curled in that building, the Department of Highways building, for only three years. And then in February of 1951, 
the place burned to the ground. So oh you can my, imagine. I didn't mean it when I said <laughs> rise from the ashes. <laughs> yeah, it actually did. It burned to the ground. So you can just imagine corrugated roofing, corrugated steel siding, decades old wood. It was like a wood stove inside. But one of our members actually ran in to that building and saved four of our most historic trophies. He did two under each arm. He ran in and ran out. But everything else was lost to the fire. Oh. So over the course of the next 10 months, uh, led by Alan White once again, they built the club that you see today. There's been a few renovations and what have you to it, but they, they actually built the the clubhouse and the, the rink in 1951. And that was probably the proudest day in the history of the curling club when they finally had a building that was purpose-made for curling with a clubhouse and they owned it. That That's just a wonderful story. Now, I've got kind of a little bit of curiosity here. How did they make ice? I mean, that, oh. the, you know, way back, way back when it started, I don't know, how did they make the ice? Well, back, back then, we had Mother Nature made the ice. When the temperatures got cold enough, they would put water on a sand floor, and uh, when the temperatures were cold enough for it to freeze, uh, that's that's how they curled. So so back back in those days, like if it was minus twenty outside, you were curling inside at minus twenty temperatures. Oh, hardy bunch you curlers, <laughs> you really are. Yeah. It wasn't until maybe about nineteen fifty two that we put artificial ice in. So that's refrigerated flooring. And in Huntsville, the curling club had their ice, their artificial ice plants installed before the municipal arena did. Wow. Yeah. That's a, that one-upmanship there, <laughs> one-upmanship. We beat them by a year. <laughs> now, you, you touched on the word renovation. Yes. And when I was reading the little note you sent me, the Love It renovate. Now, yeah. got to get into this. What is the Love It so, renovations? Uh, in about 1995, we had a huge amount of children curling at the club. Uh, several, I think it was like two or three hundred people uh, through high schools, youth programs, uh, children's programs. And it was thought at the time, like, oh my God, if all of these children convert to adult curlers and their spouses, uh, we're not going to have a big enough curling rink to hold everybody. So the thought was that we need to move to a new facility with a six sheet curling club. Uh, but to do that, it would cost millions to build a new place. So for, for many years, uh, since 1995, the only maintenance they did on the curling club was absolutely minimal maintenance just to keep it up and running. So no money was invested into the club whatsoever. Uh, but in about 2016, 2018, it was decided that uh, we were staying where we are. Our membership numbers, uh, even though they peaked then, had leveled off to kind of traditional levels. So there's a TV show called Love It or List It. So we we looked at our plans. Do we list it and try to move to another place? Or do we love our own place and fix it up? So the decision was overwhelmingly to, to love it. And so we've began what's going to be like a million dollar renovation. We've already spent about 600000 with new electrical, new ice floor, a uh, new roof on the arena, new lights. And the number one goal going forward 
is to make the club accessible. Well, I had read that and uh, been hoping that, uh, you know, the town with its, in its wisdom would come through with a little bit to make it accessible. I mean, I'm not as young as I used to be, and I'm certainly not as spry as I used to be. And this is becoming an important issue to a lot of older people in town. And I mean, there's, I know there's aids now for disabled people playing curling. Um, You know, they've got different rooms and different ways they can do it. And uh, it seems a shame that the town doesn't give you a little more support. Well, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. Um, It's interesting. You know, you mentioned the accessibility aids. One of our members, a Huntsville Curling Club member named Rusty Drew. Knew him well. Did you? Oh, good. Well, he invented the stick. The, and he called it the extender, which is a curling aid for people who can no longer get down in the hack. And it's also used for people in wheelchairs. So he invented that and he patented it and he got inducted into the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame for that invention of accessibility. In fact, the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame credits Rusty, so our Huntsville member, Rusty, for the creation of the sport of wheelchair curling. So if there's any club in the world that should be accessible, it should be the Huntsville Curling Club. I would think so. And yes. I, I remember Rusty from back. He was a, a valued member of the Friends of Muskoka Pioneer Village, which okay. I was involved in. And I remember him being around him when he was going through this. And it, it was just amazing. And it's great that it's been so well accepted. Yes. And I mean, but we should perhaps point that out a little more that Rusty Drew did this for us, you well, know. I'm, I'm trying. Uh, right now, I'm in the process of uh, uh, putting in a nomination to the Huntsville Sports Hall of Fame for a po- posthumous uh, award for Rusty for that invention. Excellent. So we've done, uh, um, covered the reservations now, and I know just from talking to you in this short time, You've done an awful lot of work on this. So do we see perhaps a book coming out for the 125th or, you know, some other way? Well, we'd like to do something. Um, You know, I got, you know, like probably like 150 or 175 pages uh, of pictures, uh, old pictures of the club and stories. uh, And I put it together. I got an index and I've got chapters. So it looks like a book. But it's it's basically just a, a Word document on my laptop at this time. But yes, I'd like to somehow get some assistance to make that some sort of a book with, you know, maybe a copy at the library or Muskoka Heritage Place and one for the club. Well, th- that's, you know, that's great because it's all this research that people do now that funds knowledge for way down the road. I mean, a lot of, we've missed a lot of our history because people don't think it's important. We, oh, well, remember that story, but they don't, you know, no. and it gets lost in the generations. So before we close, if there's anybody that's listening that has an urge to become a curler, what's the best way to go about it? The, the easiest way is just to go to our, web, our website and register for curling. Uh, You can register in one of the leagues if you know a little bit about how to curl. If you've never curled before, then you register in our Learn to Curl program. We call it Curling 101, but it's Learn to Curl. 
and they teach you absolutely everything you need to know about how to play the game of curling. Okay, now is it true that you just get the raw the, the stones from Scotland? The, yes. Yep, yes. they all the granite still comes from Scotland. It's yes. tradition. Yes. Yes. Excellent. That's good to hear. Yeah. So, do you what equipment do you need if you, you want to become anything. So, if you want to join the curling club, the curling club supplies you with all of the equipment. Uh, you know, the, your slider for delivering the rock, the broom, the rocks, of course, now, all the instruction, they, they do it all. You know, and once you become a, you know, proficient curler, uh, many of our members, they, they now, they own their own shoes and maybe their own curling jackets, but, uh, and some own their own brooms. But for the most part, all the equipment's supplied by the club. So how about a klutz like me on ice, you know? <laughs> That's well, my nervous thing is standing well, on ice. Well, standing on ice, you know, you wear the proper shoes. We, they're actually, the shoes are called grippers because they grip to the ice. So yes, you're on ice and it could be slippery, but it's, it's not as slippery as you would think. Um, and if you're uh, uh, an older person like us uh, and you're starting the game of curling, um, you know, you, you don't need to get down in the hack and deliver the rock with all kind of required balance. You could start with a stick. We have many members that do that. Well, you you are actually tempting me here. <laughs> <laughs> You'd love it. Well, you never know. May, may have just got a rec- raw recruit here. <laughs> but anyway, I would like to thank you, Dennis, for joining me today. It's been great that you've given of your time. And I really... As somebody that loves history too, I really appreciate the effort and the amount of work you've put in to recording the history. It's It may just be one thing, the curling club, but it's an important part of the social fabric of the town. And I would like to see it coming out in a book. And maybe we'll have to chat to the Historical Society and... Muskoka Heritage Place and, you know, see if we can get some backers for you just to make sure that all this work you've done goes on record. So once again, Dennis, thank you so much. Well, thank you, Trisha. And this has been Trisha for Touching the Past. Join me next time when we explore more of Huntsville and area heritage on Hunters Bay Radio.